shouted out. The world thinks they know what love is. You teenagers here, you think you know what love is. <laughs> I've been married 21 years. I ain't got a clue. But I know Valentine's Day, you better have bought something. I know that. I'm not falling into, oh, let's not do gifts this year. <laughs> that was free. Stand, if you will, before I get off track. Many of you are familiar with this text. <laughs> I wish I was a little more familiar with this text. Would to God that we were so familiar with this text that it just flowed from our lives. We're trying to identify true Christianity today. Let's read 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have... I have become a noising gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have, it profits me nothing. Love oh, is patient, is kind, and is not jealous, does not brag, and is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly, does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Bears all things, believes all. That's why you give bears at Valentine's Day. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Never fails. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now, we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I also have been fully known. Now, but now faith hope abide these three but the greatest of these is love let's pray father god you are love eternal life is to know you that means eternal life is to love father as i examine my own heart there's great need of this both for you and for my neighbor Father I pray that as we embark on this journey together that we would laugh have fun but also examine our own hearts whether we're truly Christians or if we're just pretending
may be seated. How to identify true Christianity. Uh, Last week, we were going through John, and we reviewed that in life, there are only two sides. The side of the truth and the side of lies. And that we're left with a choice. But really, the only choice is whether to choose Christ or not. Because we're all born having already chosen. Well, we didn't even choose. Adam chose, didn't we? So we're already born in sin. We read John 3 already that says, those that do not believe, they're already judged. Meaning, if we're born, we live our lives, and nothing changes about Jesus Christ. We will spend eternity in a place separated from God. And that place is hell. It's hell not because there's fire, not because there's pain. It's hell because it's separation from God for eternity. Now, The question comes to us is, which side am I on? I hope that you've gotten around in your busy schedule to asking yourself that question. Uh, I I read a story this week about a blind, I keep saying a blind man, he wasn't blind, he was deaf. Huh? Are you hearing me? He was deaf. Are you? No. He was deaf. And every day though, he'd walk to church. And he'd walk past all these shops and all the shop owners would wonder, Why in the world is a deaf guy going to church? He can't hear the songs. He can't hear the preaching. He can't even hear the gossip, and they might all be talking about him. So one of the skeptics finally got up enough nerve, went and signed to him and asked him, Why are you going to church? You can't hear anything that's going on. He said, I want my neighbors to know what side I'm on. Would to God that it was as easy as church attendance. I don't think so, because I think there's lots of people that come to church every week that are dying and going to hell. So how? Is it as easy as what I think? Well, the Bible says my whole thinking process is wrong. I'm born that way, deceiving myself worse than anyone. So how do I know? I mean, I could be sitting here the whole time. Matthew 7 tells me, and I could get to before God one day and he say, depart from me, I never knew you. I mean, I don't want that, do you? So, how do we know? Do you want to know? Can you know? The Bible says we can know. The whole book of 1 John was written so that we might know. Well, you can know. The question is, do you know? Not what you feel you know let's bring up uh matthew 22 the greatest commandment let's read this together you shall the lord you true love look like? I love God. And that is the inward part. The outward part is that I love my fellow human being. As opposed to the unchristian way, which is to love myself. 
And that manifests itself by wanting everyone else to love myself. Now let's understand heart, soul, and mind, right? What are those? Let's clarify that. Heart is my priorities. My priorities are driven by love for the Lord. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, the love of Christ controls me. My priorities are driven by my love for the Lord. Next, soul, my choices. The choices of my life are driven not by my emotion, but by my love for the Lord. Third, my mind. The way I think is driven by my love for the Lord. Romans 12, verse 2 says, I need to renew my mind. That's what he's talking about. I'm gonna, everything runs through the filter of my love for the Lord. I make no decisions outside of that. And as I live my life that way, it manifests itself outwardly by just caring about other people. Now, this is love. The world says they know love. And it's very confusing. The Bible, the New Testament at least, was written in the Greek language. You've probably heard this before, but in Greek there's three words for love. We're going to just skim over this very quickly. In English, there's only one word for love, so we need to be careful we know which love we're talking about. The first is eros, where we get the word erotica. Now, erotica, this eros love says this, I will sacrifice you in order to satisfy me. But there's another love. This is phileo love, which we get the word Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love this is friendship love this kind of love says we will sacrifice equally to be both satisfied but then there's agape which is a made-up word only in the bible really the biblical writers came up with this word because there is no agape love outside of a relationship with the lord none this kind of love says i will sacrifice myself in order to satisfy you. Now, agape love says, I love you. Phileo love says, I like you. Eros love says, if you love me, you'll let me. The world is running off of Eros. Now, they like to put the facade of Phileo on it. But you can tell that it's just a facade because if I start having to give more than you're giving, then I'm out. Or at least I'm ticked off. Most people go into marriage with this thought. They go into marriage with the thought that 50-50, but really in my mind I'm thinking, I'd like to give about 30 and hopefully she'll give 70. Then the longer it lasts, it becomes more like, I wish you'd give 100 and I'd give nothing. Two people wanting to give nothing and wanting a hundred leaves you with eros. Now, agape love is more than a feeling, like the Boston song says, with different conclusions. If you live your life and make your decisions based on the way you feel, oh, I've heard so many couples say, well, just not in love anymore. Just not feeling it. You cannot love this way on your own. 
In our present text, the Apostle Paul describes certain characteristics of love that we can identify. You want to know if you're a Christian? Here we go. You ready? The first one, love is the divine heartbeat of Christianity. I believe that Christian circles, all the problems would be solved if we would just learn to love each other with agape love. Meaning, if I put you before me, we'd get along. At least in my mind. You can have arms. Put your arm up. Everybody put your arm up. This is class participation. Put your other arm up. Now we're Pentecostals. Good, good. Brothers in Christ. Okay, sisters in Christ. Feet, you got feet. You got a torso. There's things in there. Wait. Put your hand on your heart. You can't feel it. Go up here. Feel it. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah, there it is. Okay, now, you're alive. You're alive not because you have hands and arms, not because you have a torso, not because you have legs. You can go down to Strickland's and you can see people that have all these things. You can even cut them open and look inside. They got all the stuff. But without a heartbeat, you're dead. That's why when you lose your heartbeat, people go frantic fairly quickly to try to get what? Back. Yes. It says in the first three verses of chapter 13 that words without love are dead. That's what Christianity sounds to the world and to other Christians if we don't love I'm not coming up with new things here. But if I am not willing to put myself last, Christianity will not work. I, I am very fed up with people saying they're Christians and not acting a bit like Christ. Did Christ just speak words or did he show love? We're supposed to speak the truth though, aren't we? You see, most of the time, we, if we want to be loving to somebody, we feel like we have to not touch the truth because that will hurt people's feelings. Read Ephesians 4. It says I'm supposed to speak the truth in love. And while I do that, I'm supposed to do it with humility, gentleness, and patience. We'll talk about those things in a moment. But do you realize also that gifts without love are dead? It says if I understood the whole Bible... If I had so much faith that I could look outside and point at the mountain and say, God, we should get out of the way. We're going to Snowbird, and we don't want to go 40 through the mountains. We'd like a flat road. Brother Dan's driving the bus, and all of a sudden, the mountain's gone. What would you say? Shut up. But the Bible says without love, I am What he's really saying here is the fruit, or the the gifts of the Spirit are no good without the fruit of the Spirit. Oh, I can get up here and sing like a bird. But if it's not coming from a heart of love for my Father and for you, it just comes off as being kind of pompous. That's why I think it's so difficult to be a new pastor at a church. I cherish the years as they go by. Because I feel like as the years pass by, 
maybe you can get a sense of my heart. And let me tell you this, that takes Words, gifts, they're dead. But works, too. How many of y'all would like to sign up to give all that you have away? How would you like to just say, go ahead and burn my body? There's a way to go. That ain't the way I want to go, is it? Just my body to be burned. But if I do all that without love, it's nothing. Do you realize that money can't buy love? That's prostitution. Many of us are trying to prostitute our children. Work, 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 work. Not prostituting them and putting them out, if you know what I mean. But prostituting them that we're trying to buy their love. I'll tell you what, a good place to show your kids you love them is sit them down in the chair and start teaching them the 82 questions from the Westminster Confession. It warms my little heart. To hear these little ones come up to me and say, what is the chief end of man? Who is God? What do the scriptures principally teach? And then I have a little rap that I do. This is love. Look at this. John 13 says this. A new commandment I give to you. That you love one another even as I have that you also, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you one another. You want to know why the world thinks the church is dead? Think that we're a bunch of hypocrites? It's because we're all in it for us. And even when we witness, we say, if you'll give your life to Jesus, you can have everything I have. Because the reason I got into this Christianity thing is for everything that it gets me. realize that the self-loving person's life produces nothing, is nothing, and gains nothing. If you want to ever see a dead man walking, look at somebody whose whole life is focused on themselves. Watch them as the years go by, and watch the bitterness set in. Here's the problem. If I love me, I want everybody else to love me. But guess what? Everybody else is not going to love you like you love you. And you can either deal with that and become selfless, or you can get ticked off at the world. I'll tell you what. Write it down. Watch people over the years. Become. Go to the mall. You ever go to the mall while your wife is shopping? You just sit in the chair outside. Just watch people. I think I could tell who's a Christian right off the bat. That person's not. Oh, ooh, they look like they were weaned on dirty socks. The faces of people. You ever look over at the car next to you while you're driving? You have, you know you have. When they look at you, you know, you're like. Bible always teaches that there's an inward and an outward part of Christianity. Okay? Always. We like to say that there's one or the other. I love God, but I hate all you other people. You cannot love God and hate other people. 
nor can you love other people and hate God. It's not possible. These things go together. You'll find. I, I love to ask people that don't believe in God about this. Where's the atheistic help organization that goes around the world helping other people? It's non-existent because people that are atheistic are all focused on themselves and watch their lives go. I'm a philosophy major from college. I've read a lot of atheists. Their lives are sad, very sad. You can say, well, that's, they're stronger than the rest of us. Well, you can believe whatever you want to believe. But here we are. There's an inward and an outward, and love for other people is what's going to make your life worth something. Now, the question is, have you ever experienced that kind of love? Or are you just focused on you? Because if you're focused on you, you're a dead man walking. It's got to start with you realizing who you are. I love what Jason said about uh, God not dealing with us the way we deserve. Aren't you? Man, I don't know. No, I'll take grace and mercy. And I want to extend that to you. Even if you don't see things the way I see it, I want to extend some grace and some mercy to you. Um, but I realize that there's a solution to my sinfulness. And that's Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. And all that I am, I believe in. All that I am, I live for. So, that's the heartbeat of my life. If it's not the heartbeat of yours, please stop saying you're a Christian or get saved today. Let's go on. Number two, love, you can have a heartbeat, can't you, and still be sick. So we're going to take our little temperature today. The health of your Christianity. Woo, this is stinky, stinky, stinky right here. This is going to hurt you a little bit if you're truly saved. I don't know any Christian that reads this and walks away going, man, I feel good today. I think that looks like me. Here we go. You ready? Take your temperature. Stick out your tongue. Oh, they don't even do that anymore, do they? My mother had the option, high or low, what do you want? <laughs> Kids don't have that option now. They just run it across their forehead. Okay, here we go. Here's the inward. What's the first inward trait? Now, what we can do here is everywhere the, the word love is, we can put Jesus' name there. Do you think that Jesus is patient? But if you really want a fun game for this, stick your own name in there afterwards, okay? Then really see how it's going, okay? Chris is patient. Dan is patient. It's never good when the person that knows you the best answers first. And I will tell you, this is a great, why do you think he leads with this, first of all? This is, first of all, this isn't patience with your circumstances. This is patience with people. This is actually my response to people do you just automatically respond patiently now I'll, I'll, I'll give you throw you a little bone here he got quiet all of a sudden I've not arrived at the patience of Christ have you 
But you know what I am noticing in my life? A progression in patience. I used to get so frustrated with church members. But then God started to show me me. And my story. And you know what I noticed? I noticed that I can say something 550 times. And people not get it. But something about the 551st you know what that tells me it ain't about me except for being faithful it's about the Lord working in his time you realize that patience is all about that forget all your circumstances patience is really I'm willing to trust God for the here and now in my relationship Because I guarantee you, if you're married here, your mate is not all that you would like them to be. But here's another caveat. You are not all that you need to be. So remember, you're not a superstar. And God probably has you pretty well matched. And you can go find another, but then you will have another problem. I'm just saying. So try patience. What's the next? Woo! Are you kidding me? Be kind. What's that mean? Kindness is this, not trying to pick a fight. Vance Havner said that a bulldog can whip a skunk any day of the week. It's just not worth it. I may can win a fight with my wife, but we all lose. You know, you've been in bed I'm going to saturate this place with my absence. You people that aren't married, you young ladies, you're saying, how can people so be so childish? You'll find out. <laughs> and I'll sit there in my bed looking at the lamp when my beautiful wife is on the other side. Something Then I realized, I don't know, yeah, I heard these people, we've never gone through the night, man, we have. <laughs> but I wake up with a terrible hangover. That's the only hangovers I get now. Man, that, that lack of love and that lack of kindness hangs over. And boy, I tell you what, if you don't get it right the next day, boy, it's best. Coffee don't help, nothing helps. I got to get that quiet time thing away from seems like every verse I read tells God that ain't right be kind what's next not jealous oh let's talk about this in church this is no inferiority complex no inferiority complex Bill and Natalie raise your hands Bill and Natalie raise your hand okay this is what it is start talking to each other whispering each other's ear be careful stay on time the inferiority complex says, I don't say that to my <laughs> You know, you walk in a room, two people are talking to you. What I do? I know what you were saying. Then I find somebody start talking about Bill and Adam. It's like picking teams at a pickup basketball game. 
right? Oh, you're with me? This is real. This happens. Oh, I know what you're thinking. No, really not. My wife has took her 21 years. She said, what you thinking? I said, nothing. She realizes that now there's nothing going on. <laughs> she used to think I was being coy, but now she just knows. Beep. Nothing. There's sometimes I like to turn it off. Praise the Lord. What's next? <laughs> Love does not brag. That's the opposite of an inferiority complex. This is a superiority complex. Not bragging and not being arrogant go together, right? That's when I think it doesn't matter what you say because you're just a little bit less of a person than I am. It's kind of the government job right now. You're dribble. You don't know what's good for you. Did your parents ever tell you that? My parents didn't. They said, I'm going to give you what's good for you. <laughs> no. Okay, these are all the inward things. Do you realize what life would look like if we were patient, we were kind, we didn't think everybody was talking about us, and we didn't act like we were better than other people? What would the church look like if that was our inward attitude about ourselves patient says i know god's in control if bill and natalie are talking about me bless god they're probably right i could probably get in their conversation add something to it that would really be juicy but i don't think i'm better than anybody i'm a sinner the bible really describes me as a beggar trying to tell another beggar where to find food That's my inward attitude about myself. Am I going to be hard to get along with? No. But the inward always comes outward. Look at the outward. And time is rushing on. I hate the clock. Okay? <sighs> Number one, outward. Does not act unbecomingly. I just put this. Respectful. Has manners. Act like your mama taught you something. Well, I'm just one of those people that tells what I think. Well, you're in sin. Shut up. I mean, just because I say what comes out my mouth, does that mean it's good? I bless God for 40 years I've been trying to shut this trap. I find I never have to apologize but to God for things I didn't say. But it gets really messy when it comes out. What's next? It does not seek its own. Boy, this is the essence of John 3.16, isn't it? Does God seek his own? In one way he does, he's seeking us and we are his. But do you? This is really talking about selfishness. When I was a child, I was taught this acrostic, joy. Jesus, others, but I really, the more I learn, the more it should be just Joe. Jesus and others. And I don't think about them. Let's move on. What's next? Does, uh, it is not, the, the King James puts a word in there to kind of make it better for you, but it's out of context. It shouldn't be in there. Easily provoked. It's just, is not provoked I have a long fuse I'm not going to blow 
Is that you? I'm not a reactionary. Well, she made me mad. No. You got mad when you chose to put yourself over the other person. Now, there is a righteous indignation, but I guarantee you that most of mine is not. You see, I get mad because people treat me wrong. They treat me like I'm not the king of the world. What makes you mad? does not take into account a wrong suffered. You're not keeping a record. I call this the, does not dig up the dead cat in the backyard. We learned that at a marriage retreat a few years ago. Right? The dead cat in the backyard is that when you're losing an argument, you pull up something that happened five years ago and throw that in your wife's face. The Bible tells us that if we love, we're supposed to forgive, but people say, I'll forgive you, Don Stacy. Have you ever heard that? Is that forgiveness? Now, I've also heard people say that if you truly forgive, you truly forget. I guarantee you this. I used this in the first service. If somebody comes in here with a gun and blows my wife away, I ain't forgetting that. Does that mean I haven't forgiven? Let's get real, okay? Does, does it really mean I forget things? Can, can you forget that? No. So what does it mean? It means I do not let it interfere with our relationship. I guarantee you this, and I used Jason in the first service, I'll use him again. Jason does something wrong to me three years ago, and we get it right, and then he comes and does the same thing this year. You think I'm going to struggle with what he did three years ago? Oh, yeah. But the point is, I want to struggle with it between me and God. Not between me and Jason. Because if I've already forgiven Jason, the minute that comes up in my mind again, I've got to renew my mind with the fact that that's gone. That's off the table. Cannot bring that up to Jason. God, I want to bring this up to Jason. But if I do, it's going to show my unforgiving, sinful heart. And I want to deal with it before you. I don't want to have to deal with it before Jason. And that's going to be a constant struggle. That's not something that I get over, is it? But we pretend, don't we? But it really comes out when we talk to somebody else. You know Jason did that to me three years ago. How about this? Does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. Let's be frank with you for a minute. I've, I've gone through some struggles as a pastor standing for what's right there's many people remember it's inward and outward there's many people that confuse this to think that they're going to get into heaven by what they do at the church that they're going to do something good at the church that's going to get them some props with the man upstairs that's a lie that's what Matthew 7, 21 through 23 is talking about. Lord, Lord, look at all the things I did for you. Depart from me, I never knew you. So, if I love you, I'm not going to let you go on in this in the church. I'm not going to let it. 
I'm going to confront you about it. I'm going to deal with it. And you may hate my guts for taking away your salvation, as it appears. But you know what? I'd rather you hate me and understand what God says is true. But as long as we keep pretending with other people, that's not love, is it? Well, you know, there's a certain amount of things in the church that need to get done. I don't give a rip if nothing gets done around here, if that's the way we got to do it. If it doesn't start motivated by my love for the Father, then it don't need to be done. Well, the bills still need to be paid. I don't care if we have to rent a pup tent to meet in. Well, the church takes money. The ta- church takes obedience and love for the Lord. If we have those two things, we're not going to have a trouble worrying about the light staying on. We're not going to have to worry about making the budget. We're going to have to worry about stopping the windows of heaven from opening up and pouring out blessings that we can't even handle. But we don't believe it. You see, if we're really honest, we do rejoice in unrighteousness. Because as long as I know that Mary Esther has this problem in her life, I know she can't come to me about the problems in my life. Look at what else it says. It won't quit, and it's optimistic. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Do you realize why divorce in the life of a Christian is such a huge deal? Any divorce in any Christian's life is going absolutely against what God's Word says. And I am just sick to death of churches that want to pretend that it doesn't matter. It matters. The whole purpose of marriage in the church is to be a representation of Christ's love for the church. Look at verse 11. Remember when you were a kid? We got to babysit last night. It was fun. You know that there's a progression, right? They start in diapers. Then they go to what's called pull-ups. You know what I'm talking about? They didn't have pull-ups when I was a kid. Cindy, did they have pull-ups when you were a kid? I know your age, so you didn't know. They didn't have pull-ups. Then you go from pull-ups to, to big boy britches or big girl britches. I, I clarified the difference is legs. If you have to ask more, see your mom. We were, kids talk about this all the time, about going to potty. Mommy, I got to go pee-pee. Right? We're doing choir practice. Somebody comes in, Mommy, doo-doo. You know, it's great. But if Brother Keith came in and said, Joelle, I got a doo-doo. Something wrong with that. We were the Deacon Pastor Fellowship. All the ladies locked eyes. And all of a sudden, whoosh. They all went to the restroom. In one accord. I looked at Shane. I said, Shane, you want to go to the restroom? He said, shut up, man. <laughs> what are you? <laughs> I said, no problem, man. No problem. You see, we grew up. We don't talk about that anymore. 
because we've grown up. But what's so sad is that in the church, we have never grown up. When someone doesn't get their own way, they get on the floor and they might as well be screaming, goo goo gaga. And we don't seem to mind. Oh, that's just the way so and so is. Hebrews 10 says this. Let us, what? How to stimulate one another to and good deeds. Not forsaking our own assembling together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more. You see the day drawing near. Here's the, I, I got to hurry now, okay? We, we got to hurry. We got to land this plane. But I've been having fun. Have you been having fun? Why do you come to church? To learn about Jesus. No! If you think for a moment that you come to church for some benefit for you, you are not operating in agape love. You see, the whole idea of the church is that this is an assembly where I can come and stimulate others to love and good work. This makes all the difference in the world because when I'm in the bed and I'm thinking, heh, don't really want to go today. But somebody may need me there. I'm going to get my fanny out of bed and I'm going to go. But if it's just about you, you can say, I don't need anything. I'll just study my Bible at home. I watch Charles Stanley. Well, he don't come visit you in the hospital either. You don't call him whining. Do you look like Christ? A lot of times I don't. Will you be patient with me? As you grow in this, I'm going to seek to be patient with you. But what we want to see is progress. The difference is whether we're being led by the flesh or led by the spirit. You see, if there's a heartbeat there, if there's love for your God and love for your neighbor there, and it's not revealing itself in this manner, then it really means you're living in the flesh, not in the spirit. Now, let's go to the last. And I'm just going to skim by this one, so hold on to your horses. Love is the heavenly aspect of Christianity. Do you realize that heaven's going to be different? Look what it says. Love, verse 8, says what? You want a success rate? This one's right up there with the death rate. 100%. Love never fails. If I choose to put you in front of me, that's going to have success every time. True love never falls short, never breaks down, never disappoints. It says revelation is going to end. Communication is going to end. Education is going to end. But love ain't. Look at 1 John 4, 7 and 8. It says this, Beloved, read it. Eternal life John 18 tells us is not a mansion. It's not heaven, streets of gold, pearly gates. 
Eternal life is knowing God. How do you know God? How do you know if you know Him? By this being the fruit of your life. What a day that will be. You know that song? When my... When I... The one who saved me by His grace. When He takes me by the hand. And leads me to the promised land. What a day, glorious day, that will... You looking forward to that day? If you want a taste of it, start loving this way. It ends by saying, now abides faith, hope, love. These three, but... Faith says Jesus came to save. My hope says he's coming back to get me. But the love is my daily communion with him. Without love, there is no faith and there is no hope. I'm going to read a verse to you. And then what we're going to do is we're just going to bow our heads and chew on this verse. I think that if we're trying to seek what true Christianity is and whether we have it or not, that this verse sums it up. So close your Bibles up, pay it real close attention as we close this. I'm going to read it. I don't want you to shout out love anymore. I want you to just really focus in with me just for another two minutes as I read this verse and then you examine your heart. I'm going to close in prayer right afterwards and Brother Jason is going to come and we're going to start the invitation. First John verse 10 says this by this the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God righteousness is the daily walk with the Lord Jesus Christ confession of sin and repentance on a daily basis nor the one who does not love his brother. The word love there is agape. We cannot say we are Christians if we do not love. Father God, as I read your word, it cuts. Father, none of us in this sanctuary today live up to 1 Corinthians 13. But Father, help us to recognize that the fact of our Christianity or lack thereof is how we deal with it. Not our arrival, but our progress. And Father, as we read this passage, if we are broken, before you about who we are well, this is a good thing but if we're here saying well I'm better than most of you and I pray that you'll break our hearts I pray that you'll work through this invitation that it will glorify you in Jesus name heads bowed eyes closed